0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, parts of that you guys 5782 everybody. We're going to talk about the children of Shimon. We're talking about the children of Shimon. In Parsifa'i Yigash, we go through the 70 children that went down to Mitzrayim, or the 70 people that went down to Mitzrayim, right, and the children of each one of the Shvatim benesh Shimon. Shimon had the following sons Yemuel, the Yamin, the Ohad, the Yochin, the Tzohar, those five, and then the sixth one, Shol ben Hakananis. Shol ben Hakananis. So although this person makes it clear that Shimon had six kids when he went down to Mitzrayim, the names are not as easy as it seems. Each one of the names seems to be a little bit different between here, Parshis Pinchas, later on, and in Divriyam. Yemuel is known as Nimuel. He has a nun in Parshish Pinchas, and Chav Vav Yudbez, and Divriyam Dalit Chav Dalit. It's possible his name was changed after they came back into Egypt. It could be that his Jewish name, so to speak, was Yemuel, and then when he came to Egypt, his name was Nimuel. It's possible that's there. That's where Vary Kaplan suggests the Medrash Sechol Tov seems to say that that's a possibility. The first person that we know of that had a Jewish name and a non Jewish name. It's a possibility that that's there. The Medrash Sechol Tov says he was named Yemuel because he was Maul, his heart for Yurus Hashem. Very, very special person. He was that. Yamin was so named because he was always ready for battle. Miyuman Limochaman. So to Yochin, was ready to do battle. As it says in Shimon's bracha with Levi, they're always ready to do battle, always ready to fight. Ohad stands for eno hod. To be honest with you, I'm not sure what that means. The eno hod does not sound like a compliment. It sounds like he's not a beautiful person. And I hope that's not what it is, but I'm not sure exactly what it means. Sohar shone like a light similar to the Sohar that was in the Teva, the luminescent stone that was in the Teva itself. He's also known as Zerach in Parshas Pinchas, according to Rashi. That means the same thing, that he's shown like a light. Ohad and Yochan do not appear at all in Parshas Pinchas and Divera Yaman. And it could be that these two families died After the incident of Shitim with Baal Pa'or, that when Shavit Shimon was involved with their Nasi of their Shavit, Shlumiya bin Suri Shagai, who became Zimri, right, it's possible that these two parts of the family were wiped out completely. They were completely gone. In Dibriyaman, there's another family named Yariv. Yariv could be the remnants of these two families that combined to become a new family, or a younger brother who wasn't Chashuv until Ohad and Yachin died. And then Ohad and Yachin passed away, and Yariv took his place. He was somewhere out there. It's possible that that's that. But this is an amazing line. It could be that Yariv also was born in Mitzrayim. Baleitoses say that this pause akin to other things as well. Everybody remembers Ehud Ben Gera. You remember Ehud Ben Gera? He was the lefty who had a right arm that was a little mangled. Right? and he used to pull out his sword from the left-hand side instead of the right-hand side, and he went to go see Eglon Melech Moab, Right, and He's the one that went in there, and everybody knows the, the basic story, etc., that he, he had a short sword made on his right-hand side. Nobody would check for it, and it was small. Plus, he was so mangled, nobody thought of him as a warrior. They didn't think of him as a soldier. So when he did fight, and he did go out there, when he killed Eglon Melach because of all the different things that he did, that was clearly it was a miracle that a Kodesh Baruch Hu allowed it to happen, but everything was amazing. He had these plans to go through. And it could be hinted over here with the words Yamin, Ohad, and Yachin. Maybe it means Ohad are the same letters as Ehud. And his name is on the left of the word Yamin. His right hand was on the left-hand side, so to speak. He was a lefty instead of a righty. And he was Yachin, prepared to do whatever he could to save Claudius. So the Balitosos say that it could be that even the shoftim that we know about so well, those shoftim that everybody knows about, even they are hinted to in the Torah itself. Then we get to Shoal ben Ekanonis. This kid, Shoal ben Ekanonis, which we're going to spend quite a bit of time on. Rashi says Sho'l was actually the son of Dinah who had been forcibly taken by a Kenani by Shechem. When Shimon and Levi destroyed the city of Shechem, they took Dina out. She didn't want to leave. She didn't want to leave until Shimon swore to her that he would marry her. Shimon said he would marry Dina. Certainly sounds like it was Shimon's full child from Rashi. This isn't the child of Dina and Shechem. It was the Kananis, meaning Dina who was with the Kenan man, that child was this one over here. The child of Shimon after Shimon married her. That was this child. That's Sheol ben, Akan, ben right over here. Baalitosa say ben Haknanis is the gematra of 657, which is the gematra of Dina Bas Yaakov, plus the three words, plus kolo. So granted, it's off a little bit. But regardless, it's plus three words, plus the kolo, the plus four, right? But that's Dina, Benekina, Dina Ben ya- Dina Bas Yaakov is right there. Now the Medrash Rabbah, in Perak Pei, Halakha Yedalov, says when Shimon and Levi went to destroy the city of Shem, Dina did not want to leave. That's what Rashi's quoting from. He's quoting from this Medrash Rabbah. Dina did not want to leave. Rebutan said they had to drag her out. Do you hear this? They dragged her out. And he says, Raphuna explains, it's because someone who is together with an Ural, somebody's together with a person without a brismila finds it very difficult to part from that person because the Yitzhahara becomes so great. The Yitzhahara is in the Orla, and therefore the Yitzhahara becomes so great with that person, Dina did not want to leave. Yeah. This is through. before. Remember, when Shechem was together with her originally, it was before he had the bris mil. He only but got he the bris him him afterward. afterward. So with an orl, when he was with that orl, the orla that was there beforehand, she didn't want to leave. She didn't want to be away from these people. You're right. Obviously, they had the bris afterward. Others say, and this is what Rashi quotes, she said to Shimon and Levi, who will I marry after this? This is the Acherim. No one will want to marry me since I've been with an Ural. It's not that her Yitzhahara was so huge that she couldn't stand it and she couldn't get around a It's that she said, who's going to marry me? wants to be together with me i'm somebody who has been with an arl and that's when shimon swore to her that he would marry her himself he would go ahead and do that now obviously it's a problem guys shimon is a full brother of dina shimon and dina were both from leah and yaakov we'll have to talk about that but we'll get to that the medrash points out technically Shem is not a Kanani. he was a chivi not a Kenani. he was in the land of canaan so that's why there might be other ways of understanding this Pasuk that might be there because it technically kinnanis doesn't really work with being Shem. So we're going to have that. We're going to talk about that as well. There is another strange opinion of the Medrash and I saw this this year. I had not seen this before. If someone's seen this before, that's amazing. I had not known this. The Rabbanan say that Shimon took Dina's bones and buried them in Eretz And that's why she's called HaKinanis because she's the only woman from Yaakov Avinu's household that went down to Mitzrayim, who was buried in Eretz Canaan. Did anybody know that? Did anybody hear that before? Never heard it before, that her bones were brought in. Not because she was with Shem, but rather because she was a person who, I, I can say, was buried in Eretz Canaan. The Matnos Kuunas says she was the only one of the children of Yaakov Avinu to have died in Eretz Canaan. She never went down to Mitzrayim. But obviously that's questionable, right? Because she's listed among the 70 that went down to Mitzrayim. But the Manaskuna says straight out, she died before they left for Egypt. So she was buried in Eretz Canaan. The 8th Yosef argues on that, etc. He says it must be she died in Mitzrayim and Shimon brought her back up. On his own, buried her in Eretz Canaan, knowing that she would get a kapara that way. She'd be want to be buried with all of her brothers and her mother, her father, etc. Everybody like that, So she would eventually be buried when the rest of the Bnei Yisrael would be leaving Egypt, etc. That's how it says, and that's what it means that Shol ben is, He was Shol, the son of Dinah, who was from Canaan. And when Shimon said, "I promise, I'll take care of you," he didn't mean I'll marry you. He meant instead, "I will bury you in Eretz Canaan." I'll take care of you by burying your Noritz Kanan. What an unbelievable pshat. It's a crazy pshat. I'm sorry? So it's possible. If it's not Shimon, he married Eov. She married Eov. If Eov is that person, if Eov was living during that time, then it would be Eov. I'm not necessarily going into that in the share. I'm going to mention it in passing, but it's possible she was married to Eov. Now, there's a maklokas in the Midrashim. It's embraced the Rav who the Shvatim themselves married. One opinion is that they married Kanani women because no one else was available. There was no one else around. Where were they going to go? Another opinion is that they married their own twin sisters from their own mother. Their full twin sisters, right? There's another way of looking at that opinion that really they married the twin sisters from another mother. So, for example, Ruvain would have married Gud's twin sister, and Gud would have married Shimon's twin sister. You see what I'm going, like, all the way around? So everybody married, meaning each Shavit was born with a twin sister, and they didn't marry that actual twin sister. They married a twin sister of another mother. So each one married somebody else's, and they all had somebody that could marry, and that's that. It's possible that that's what it refers to over here. And that's what we're referring to. So that's the Machlux over there. Raza Meir, this is the sefer that's written on the Paniach Raza, says, this is why Tosus asked in Baba Vasar Kuf Memalaf, why didn't Bakol marry Yitzchak Avinu? Bakol, if you'll remember, is the possible daughter of Avram Avinu. We don't know where she was from. The... Tosus asks right there in Kuf Mem Aleph, there's two places where it mentions that Bakul. It's on Tes Zionim of Beziud Zionim and Aleph, as well as Kuf Mem Aleph and Aleph. So the Gemara says, what the, Tosus asks, why didn't Bakul marry Yitzchak Abino? And one of the answers he gives is she was Hugger's daughter. Hugger's daughter. He didn't want to mar- marry his son off to the daughter of a Shifcha. That's why he didn't marry her off to her. However, the other answer seems to indicate that such a thing would have been allowed before Matan Torah. That Yitzchak could have married his full sister before Matan Torah. And therefore, according to that Razad Amer, according to what we say over here, based on that tosos, it's possible that you'll have the same thing by Shimon and Deen over here, that full sisters could marry full brothers, they could marry each other without a problem before the Torah itself. Now the Sifzat Chachamim says, our pasach here, proves that the Shvatan did not marry Benos Kanani how because this is the only Kananis Shaul ben Kananis it shows says the Sefer Khamim there was only one person who married a Kananis and it was Shimon and he must have felt bad about it. But it, that's the reason why. If everybody married the Kananios, which would have been disgusting in the eyes of the Avos, but maybe they had no choice, then why point out the one Sha'ul a Kananis that's mentioned by Shimon? That makes no sense. So that's that. And that's how the Sikhamim says. that Rashi says it must be when it says a Cananis here, it's not really referring to Cananis at all. Even Shimon wouldn't have done that. It must be Dina because none of them married Cananios. They married their twin sisters, their twin sisters, however, and they married somebody from their same father but not the same mother. Okay, but let's get into this for a second. Are you allowed to marry your full sister before Ma'at Torah? Is that really allowed? Obviously, you're not allowed to now. The Torah was given. You're not allowed to marry your full sister. Are you allowed to marry your full sister before Ma'at Torah? I'm sorry? Didn't Avram know? This How are you supposed to know? Uh, yeah, but well, let's say you did. But again, it could be that even if you know that that's the it could be that they understood there were certain mitzvahs that they couldn't hold of. They couldn't. They just simply couldn't. And those mitzvahs, they had to break in order for the Torah to be done correctly. For example, I... I I mean, Avramyenu married Tsoriyenu, who was his niece, right? So that's not bad. You're allowed to marry your niece. But it's possible if he couldn't find a Tsoriyenu who wasn't his full sister, he would have married his full sister because that was the best person for him to marry. Lot said, yeah, but that was clearly through a mistake. They thought it was Mutter, right, but Lot would have said no. It had Lot not been drunk, he would have said no, and we know that that's there. And the Gemara even tells us that Lot had only thoughts of Znus in mind. That's clearly something that was wrong. That's not a great raya either way. Either way, so we have a couple answers over here. Let's say that Eichos goes after the mother, right, before and not the father. So Reuven and Yosef were not related. Because they had the same father, but they didn't share the same mother. But Shimon and Dina 100% shared the same father and mother, right? Such a relationship is one of the three we hold that non-Jews cannot marry married women. That's number one. A sister from the mother, which Dina and Shimon would have shared, as well as a, your mother, your actual mother. Not, Non-Jews are allowed to be together with other eyes, but they can't have any one of those three. So let's give a couple answers here. We have all together, I think I found... Nine answers altogether? I don't remember how many I have over here. Is it eight or nine? I think eight. I have eight answers. Number one, the Matanus and the Medrash Rabbah says, before Matan Torah, you can marry a sister. We see it from Kain and Hevel. Kain and Hevel married their full sisters, and that was it. So that answer is an easy answer. You're allowed to marry your full sister, no kasha. The Mizrahi says that the Rashi is going with the opinion in a Medrash that a Ben-Noach can marry a maternal sister. There's a machlox about this. Rebbe Akiva holds against his Rebbe, Rebbe Eliezer, and he says, you are allowed to marry your maternal sister. And even though we don't pask in that way, since it was the best thing for him, therefore he did it. He went at it and he married Dina, and that was that. Now the gurari argues with, uh, he agrees with the answer of the Mizrahi, but he argues that. And he says, I don't understand. Why were the Avos super makbid to not marry Kanani women, but they were makel to go against laws of their own, like marrying... Two sisters. They were mocked Don't marry a Kenani woman. Kenani women are evil. Kenani women are the worst in the world. But the Torah says not to marry a sister. And you were okay with someone marrying a sister? Why was one okay and one totally not okay? And especially because, again, there's not even, even later, don't marry into those families was after the Torah, after the Mitzvah, after the, those nations of Canaan were supposed to be destroyed. It seems very strange that there were makal on one and Machmer on the other. So listen to this gorari. This gorari is absolutely fascinating. It's huge. It's one of the biggest Gorariyas you'll ever see. The Maral wrote, just kept writing and writing and writing on this. He says, the Avos and the Shvatim kept the Torah as Gerim. And Gerim have the status of a Kat and Shenola dummy. As if they're not related to anybody else. They were megayer themselves. Even though Yitzchak is the son of Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu was megayer himself. And he kept the Torah as a would. He's not the son of Avram Vinu. he's a separate person. He is Yitzchak Avinu, it's why we say Elokei Avram, Eloke Yitzchak, and Eloke Yaakov. They're totally separate in their ways, and even if they wouldn't have been the children of the Avos, they would have been their own Avs, their own great people, on their own, without anything behind them. They didn't need, Yitzchak did not need an Avram to become the person he was, and Yaakov didn't need a Yitzchak to become the person he was. The Shvatim needed Yaakov. They needed Yaakov to become the people who they were. But the Abram, Yisrael, and Yaakov did not need such a thing. So here's how he says it there were no official relatives among the others. That's why they were in Akel, about a makel about Arias of relatives throughout their lifetime. Yaakov married two sisters. Yehuda was together with his daughter in law and may have married her afterward, even though it was his daughter in law. Shimon married Leah. Amram married his aunt. And the Shvatim married their sisters, possibly their full sisters, according to the Medrash. We have five huge examples, and even though there are machlokas and Medrashim on some of those, but five great examples: Yaakov and the sisters. You cannot argue. There's no argument about that. There's no nothing you can say. Amram and his aunt is not argument. Uh, Yeah. Which one? Yaakov. Yaakov. He was Megayer, and Rachel was Megayeres. And Leo was Megaris, So they weren't related. They, their mamish weren't related. They had no sheikhs to one another. And that's the answer. Right. And that's what the Rishonim say. The, the Rishonim all say, how can he marry two sisters? They say, Gershon, Yitzchak, Katon, Shenola, dummy? The Gurai is explaining that's exactly what happened here. Each one of them was Megairun on the way. That changed when they got to Har Sinai, where Hashem decreed that even though you're all technically Gerim at this moment, any relative that you had before Matz Torah, you can no longer marry. And that's why the people were they were so used to marrying into their own families. They were so used to being involved in their own families. They couldn't believe it. They, now, they can't marry their sisters, their aunts, all these people that they had just been married to. Now they're not allowed to. They couldn't believe it. That's what they were saying. That law changed. And that's why it was the mountain, Har Sinai, was put upon them like a barrel. And said, you have to keep it or I'll kill you. There were people who said, I, I don't want this. This is not what I want. They were forced to to do so. And that's how the Goraria answers it, number one. He says there were and There was no issue of Arias before Matan Torah. And at Matan all of that changed. All of that changed. Hold on. Yaakov. I don't know if maybe this down. can see it, but is it possible to say that we say that Dina and Yosef switched from... Hold on. I'm going to get to yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. That's a huge thing. Dina and Yosef is huge. Hold on. Reuven, yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. Los is a hard one to deal with. It could be Los Ischatenbam only applied after those people weren't killed. And there was something that, don't get involved in them whatsoever. But I can't answer that question. The Gura'i doesn't answer it either. But it's a good question in Lumdus Why Los Ischatenbam wouldn't have applied before the Torah and only applied afterward, right, regarding Kananios, At least according to the question that he says, there was super al Kanani woman where there was no Isser. Los bum is a clear Isser. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, Mati. Um, maternal sister. Right? Yeah. Because in the case of Yaakov, uh, and the Shvatim, uh, even if they didn't marry their full sisters, they would all be paternal sisters, would they not? Right, and paternal sisters we don't have a problem with. Non Jews do not have an issue with pater- paternity, because we don't assume, I, I mean, if we want to be technical, what we end up suing is that by Jews we go by rove. The reason why you know your father is your father is not because of the DNA likeness. It's because we have a rove and a chazaka. And the chazaka is that robe is holchenacherah aim, a holchenacherah av, and I don't want to have to explain that, but robe is holchenacherah av. So we go after that, and there's a chazaka that, that it's probably your father. So because of that, we go with either rove or chazaka, and we allow that to be your father to the point where we'll kill you if you punch your father in the face and cause him to bleed your chayiv misa for it. Are you positive that it's your father? No, you can't be positive, but we go with that rove, that chazaka, and we apply it and that's how it happens over there so i I, I don't want to go into it but by non-jews we don't have that roof and we don't have the chazaka so because of that we can't assume so maternal sisters is important by non-jews but not the paternal sisters and i don't want to go any further because i might run for office one day and then you know this will be out there so I i don't want to go any further from that. But number four, our fourth answer is the Guraryeh. He gives another answer that all of this is through Ruach HaKodesh. And you've probably heard this before, this answer. They had their set wives from my They knew who they were going to marry. Whether they knew it externally or internally, they knew what they were going to do. They wouldn't have to mix in with any other nation. Although this would be forbidden later on, they were told they should marry within the family, so that because that was the best person for them to marry, and they would keep them different from all the nations around them. Even though Yaakovinu later on claimed in Psachim, right, where he said, I'm not going to take the kos bracha, because I married two sisters, which sounds like he did something wrong. It sounds from that Gemara they did something wrong. That not what he means it doesn't mean that it means after the Torah forbade it right then it became disgusting that he married two sisters but at the time that was the best thing that he was supposed to do to marry Rachel and Leah was the greatest thing that he could have done and that was a mitzvah a mitzvah at the time to marry Rachel and Leah but this means they couldn't do anything additional on their own if Yaakov wanted to marry another sister that would have been Usr. because that was not through Ruach HaKodesh, and that was not allowed. What do you mean? It's before Matan Torah. Before Matan Torah, you can marry anything. You're allowed to marry sisters. No, you could only marry sisters, according to this answer of the Gurariye, if it was given through Ruach HaKodesh, and they knew that this was the right person to marry. And if they didn't know it 100%, they could not do it. It was absolutely Usr. Had Shimon married someone else that was not Dina, If it was a full sister, then we would have said that's wrong. That's wrong. Shimon was meant to marry Dina, not meant to marry anyone else. If you marry Dina, it's okay. If you married anyone else, then it's a problem. That would be a major issue. That's the idea behind it. Although we hold you're allowed to go against the Torah because of a baskel or because of Nebuah, that's only after the Torah was given. I say the opposite. Although we hold you're not allowed to go against the Torah because of a baskol, because lo you can't go against the Torah with nevuah, so normally you're not allowed to do that. Says the Goraria, that's only after matan Torah. Before matan Torah, ruach hakodesh, a baskol, nevuah, changes everything. And if they had nevuah, or ruach hakodesh or a baskol, that came out and said, that's who you have to marry, they married them. Aye, but it's against the Torah that's written later on, doesn't make a difference. As a side note, by the way, the Gurayi then answers the question that I've had for years that I've seen, but I've never seen a great answer to it. But the Gurayi says right here, he says, um Im garti. Does anybody remember what Rashi says there? Im garti. Come on, tell me. Garti are the same letters as? Taryag Mitzvos Shamarti. I kept the six hundred and thirteen mitzvos. Im garti taryag mitzvos shamarti. Guys, how did he get around Isha? Akhosisha is one of the 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. He married two sisters. How could he have said, Taryag mitzvah shemarti? You want to say, I did everything I was supposed to do. Okay, that's 100% correct. You want to say, I kept, I kept 612 mitzvahs. Okay, I hear that. 613? He was over on Achosisha. How in the world could he have said that? I wish, if I was Asaph at the time, I would have called him out on it. Oh, Taryag mitzvah huh? What about Achosisha? What about that one? And says the Gorariy, no, no, no. Achosisha was usher If it would have been anybody but someone that he got through a basical. because he got it through a and he got through Ruchah or Nevoa, etc., therefore he was allowed to marry this. But he kept Achosisha for everybody else. He wouldn't marry anybody else. By the way, as a timeout, also this is also a little problematic if you say Bilha and Zilpa were the other sisters of Rachel and Leah. If you say that, then he got another problem. But you could answer it by saying, well, he had Ruach HaKodesh that so he was supposed to marry them also. So I guess he can answer it that way. Yes, Steve? So where's the Ruach HaKodesh when he's tricked into marrying Nick? It wasn't really a trick. It wasn't really a trick. Yaakov knew it the entire time. He didn't think. His original plan, I, it, it, it's a great line. It's from the of Asada. His original plan was he knew, because he saw it in his, in his vision, he saw that Rachel HaKodesh was going to die, and she wasn't going to be buried with him. So his original plan was, this is what I'll do. I'll marry Rachel. She'll have kids, then she'll die. And then I'll marry Leah. And it's always mutter to marry Achosisha after the first sister dies. Then it would have been mutter. He said that was going to be fine. The trick was that he got Leah first. So he said, okay, I was going to marry her anyway. So now it just works out well for me. So I'm okay with it. That's the idea. That's what the It says. Okay, that's the fourth answer right over here. Number five is the Mascula Dovid, an unbelievable Mascula Dovid. He says Shimon was forced to swear to Dina that he would marry her. He swore. That's what the Medrash said. I swear Dina will marry you. He wanted her out. He couldn't get her out. She wouldn't leave. So he said, I swear to you that I am going to marry you. Even though we don't hold this way that a Shivua will allow you to marry an Erva, but again, according to the opinion up above Rabbi Akiva that says you can marry full sisters because he had to swear, right? Therefore, he had that Kabbalah that he didn't want to marry a sw- or whatever. he didn't want to marry his full sister. He went over that in order to keep his word. And a shvua was so important back then, he would do anything to keep a shvua. That's the idea behind it. Now, the Razad Amer and the Be'erba said to point out that this is ridiculous. How could Shimon have done this if it was forbidden? How could he swear to her? How could he swear to her, I will marry you, when he knew it was usher? If he knew it was usher, we're not going with the Gurari right now. How could he swear to her if it was usher? He couldn't convince her to leave in any other way. And even if she wouldn't leave, pick her up and take her out. I don't understand. Well, what does that mean? She's not going to leave. You just killed 800 men in Shechem and you have a problem with your sister saying, well, I'm not leaving. What does that mean? Just pick her up with your pinky finger, your shimin. You know what I'm saying? Like pick her up, just grab her and just take her out. Now, that, that's that. That's the Barabbasad in the Raza of They can't understand it. How in the world could it be? Especially when if this is User, his shvua was more important than every single relationship he had with her. Every BeO would be an Isser. And he would allow that? That doesn't make any sense at all. It, it doesn't make any sense at all for that. So he says, maybe he thought it was a mitzvah de Rabin. A mitzvah de Rabin is similar to freeing a chazi, shivcha, chazi, baschorin. Why do we, if we have a half shivcha, half baschorin, or a shivcha that's acting with pretus, she's going around, she's mopka her herself, and it's a bad thing for everybody. What do you do? Even though there's a mitzvah, you're not allowed to free a slave, you're not allowed to free a, a, a shivcha knanis. If this woman is acting with pretzels and she's going around and sinning with people, then it's a mitzvah to free. It's a mitzvah to rob him, says the Gemara Gittin, to free that slave. You're supposed to free the slave. That's what you're supposed to do. If you would leave her, if you would leave her in Shechem, she would be mezanah. So he said, I can't let her be mezanah? So he said, this mitzvah the if I can't get her to leave in any other way, then I'm willing to swear to get her out, to do anything, even to marry her, to, in order to make sure that she, doesn't be, she doesn't become a Zona. And that's exactly what he said to Yaakov. You know? Yaakov said, what's going on here? What did you do? And they said, ha Yasa ya Well, you want our sister to be like a Zona? We're willing to do anything to make sure she's not. That's the idea behind it. It was an interesting Berbasoda as well as the uh of over here. Now, there's another answer. The Moshe of Zakanim says another answer, the Arias of Ashes, et cetera. But the, there's another answer the Moshe of Zakanim and the tour give that's a really strange one. This, Yaakov, this is what you brought up before. I was wondering when somebody would bring this up. I was hoping that somebody would say it out loud, right? But this is it. The conception of Dina was in Rachel's body. Everybody knows that, right? Rachel was having a girl and Leah was pregnant with Yosef at Tzadik. Rachel had Dina. She had conceived Dina. And Leah had Yosef. And Leah realized it. In some versions of the Medrash, Rachel realized it. And she davened for the babies to switch so that Rachel Menu would not be worse than the Shvachos. The Shvachos both had two children. Bila had two. Zilpah had two. Rachel, if she would have Dina and Leah would have seven, if she would have Yosef, that would leave Rachel with only one child, only Binyamin. Leah didn't want that. So she davened. And the babies were switched. Now, when we say that, guys, the babies were switched. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to say it. Somehow the neshamas were switched. Somehow something was switched up. Now, the first, it, first things first. This is first brought up in Targum Yonasan in Parshas VaYitzay, where he says Hashem listened to Leah's Philos and Tischalfu Ibraya Do you hear those words? The babies switched in the womb. They switched. The baby in Rachel's womb and the baby in Leah's womb switched. In Brachos, the Gemara says, through the power of tefillah, the pregnancy of Leah was switched from a Zacher to an Ekeva and Rachel was the opposite. The way the Marashah understands it, the same way. Mamish switched. Taken out (laughs) through, in vitro, somehow, and taken out and put inside the other stomach. And take it out and put inside the other stomach. Now the, mesh, the Berba Sada says this means something that we would consider almost impossible. I mean we have some unbelievable things that people are able to do nowadays. Leah conceived a boy. Rachel conceived a girl. And the Ubros were switched fully. Which means Dina is not Leah's child. Dina is Ruchel's child. And Yosef is not really Rachel's child. Yosef is Leah's child. Well, if that's true, then we have an answer. How did Shimon marry Dina? They shared the same mother. No, they didn't. Dina was from Rachel, and Shimon was from Leah. Even though Leah gave birth to Dina, she wasn't really her child. She was really Rachel's child and not Leah's child. The Mesha Kachma brings a bit of, bit of a proof to this in Memvav Bays, By each of the avos, it says Asher Yolda Yaakov. And we learn from that how to conceive a girl, how to conceive a boy. Uh, again, not something for right now, right? How to be able to go through. Says the the only time that it doesn't say those words, Asher Yolda, was by Rachel's pregnancy. Because really, Rachel I mean, it was giving birth to a girl, and it was switched to a boy. So you couldn't say Asher Yolda because it wasn't really the child that Yaakov gave Rachel. Rachel gave birth to Yosef, but it was really the child that Yaakov gave to Leah, not to Rachel. Which is absolutely unbelievable. Chavetzal Hasharon points out what the difference is by a mother itself, but this is unbelievable. You know what halacha comes out from this? Is a major halacha nowadays. If you have a surrogate mother, right, where you take the eggs from one woman and the zera from a guy, and you seminate that those eggs with that with that zera, and you place it in another woman, a, a woman who is going to be the mother of that baby. If you do that. It's artificially inseminated in some way, but it's that the child apparently goes to the original mother, the mother of the egg, not the mother who gave birth to the baby. The surrogate mother would not be the mother. If Rachel is the mother of Dina, but she was born from Leah, then that means if I have a surrogate mother, if I wouldn't be able to give birth and we used a girl out there, a non-Jewish lady, let's say, and the non-Jewish lady gives birth to that child. The child is not that woman's child. It's mine and my wife's. Right? It was just born through somebody else. That's a major nafkamina. Major nafkamina. You know what nafkaminas would be? You, have to be the guy the child? you wouldn't have to be. No garrus. No need for garis. The, the You you do a pinyin b'chor. He's a pinna ben. If that's the firstborn boy, that's a pinyin ben. would there be a... Uh... I, I, there's no issue of mamzerus. My mother could be a surrogate. My mother. It wouldn't be a problem because the mother of the child doesn't matter. Leah didn't matter. It's Rachel's child, not Leah's. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like, right? That's what it seems. Brother Wolfson in Amunasitecha, page 104, says this may have been Shimon Lishitaso. We don't pask in this way, but Shimon did. You know why? This is brilliant. Momish, brilliant. The Rambam in Hilchus Melachim, Perak Tesalach Adalid, says a non Jew is Chayiv Misa if they abort a baby in the mother's womb. Right? When we talk about abortion, right? Whether to legalize it. By a non Jew, according to the Rambam, they're Chayiv Misa for aborting a baby. For abortion, that's going to be a Chi Misa. Shimon held that the Shvatim had the status of B'nai Noach. What does that mean? meaning that was the source of his whole argument with Yosef at Sadegh. Yosef held there were B'nai Yisrael, and he held there were just B'nai Noach. That was in Parsha V'yeshev. If so, an uber, in its mother's stomach, is considered already born. So as soon as Rachel conceived Dina and Leah conceived Yosef, What's the status of the baby in the mother's stomach? They're fully alive. If they're fully alive, then they're already, so to speak, born. The baby in Ruchel's stomach is actually Rachel's baby, even though later on it was birthed by Leah. It's Rachel's baby, because at the time, she was a, that was a real baby. The baby that's in Leah's stomach, Yosef, is really Leah's baby, even though it was birthed by Ruchel. It doesn't matter. This is Shimon, according to his Sheetah. According to his shita, a surrogate mother, and maybe, I I don't even know, maybe by a non-Jew, this would be the status. A surrogate by non-Jews, no Jews involved. A surrogate completely. A non-Jewish mother with a non-Jewish lady's egg and a non-Jewish man's zara, maybe it all goes after the surrogate. It doesn't go by anything else. And if the birth happened, it's like impossible to think about. If the way that they fertilized the egg was outside of the womb, and then placed in some site, someone's womb, the baby doesn't belong to anyone. Because the baby is considered alive as soon as it's an Uber. Maybe that's the idea behind it. But I'll tell you, halachically, we don't paskin like Shimon. And we don't posk in the way that this comes out. It's a huge discussion in Nishma Savram, the great sefer Nishma Savram, in Evan Ezer Chela Gimel, pages 31 through 37, as well as Chela K, pages 159 through 163. I'm summarizing it over here that there are three opinions. Opinion number one is Ravavad Yosef. Ravavad Yosef holds. You could check out over there. There's a couple of on it. The one who gives the egg is the mother of the child, not the one who birthed the baby. Like Shimon... Like everything that we're saying over here, the mo- woman who gave the egg is the mother. Sefer Tchumen from Rezalminechem Goldberg in Chela K. Simen says the one who gives birth is the mother. The lady who gives birth. The Tzitz Eliezer in Chela K. Simen Memhe says, he says over there, don't get involved in this. He was very, very scared of what the baby, and he said from the Chazanish, you can never be sure that the doctors behind the scene are doing exactly what they're saying they are and not mixing zero with the wrong eggs. This, this is a problem, and I've spoken to Rabbi First about this many times here in Chicago. You have to trust the people that you're doing this with. If a person needs something, you have to be very trustful and mindful that there are some major issues here of mamzeris if people aren't careful. And it wasn't so careful 20, 30 years ago. Now it's much, much, much better with video cameras everywhere. It's much, much, much better, but it's very scary. The Tzitzel says it's scary, but in the end, he does pasuk in the same way. The mother of the child is the one who gives birth to the baby. The one who gives birth. Ramosha Feinstein held the same way as well, but he doesn't have a chuvan. It. It's all Baal Peh. And when Zamanorbach Zaman Orbach and Nishnas around page 37 and page, and page 162 held it to Suffolk. He says you have to be machmer both ways, which means if the baby's born on Shabbos, you can't have a bris on Shabbos because it could be a non-Jew's baby, and he would need a geris lechumra if the surrogate was a non-Jew. You need a geris lechumra, and a bris couldn't break Shabbos. You'd have to go lechumra. You wouldn't know exactly what it is. Pinah you'd have to do a pinah aben lechumra. You have to do a pinah aben lechumra because it might be a Jew. So he wasn't sure which one it was. You'd have all the chumras all over the place. Yeah, Shlomo. Yeah. Yeah, you have Yehud issues. There's a lot of issues that go with this baby, with the mother or the father, depending on what the ba- you know baby boy or girl. Yeah. Yeah, the so yeah, uh, son of Leah. Yosef could not have married any of Leah's daughters. So the fact that he married Osnas... What happened to? What happened to? The la- we don't know. It seems like Yosef did not have a twin. So I kind of wondered about that when I was saying that before. I mean, we have... Binyamin had a twin girl. So did God, Asher, Don, Naphtali. But Yosef, it seems, did not, right? So you'd already be off because that means one of the Shvatim wouldn't have one. Unless you say that Gud had another girl born with him. Maybe there were two twin daughters or triplet daughters that were born together with him and that would make a difference. So I don't have an answer for that question exactly. I don't have, and nobody says anything. Yeah, Yaakov. You that that do you know what? Would have, would have. If it was Rachel's mother, or if Rachel was the mother. And maybe that's what happened with Shimon. Maybe that's the mother. But Shimon clearly had another wife. So I don't know. But I will tell you at the very end of all this, I I gave you seven answers so far. But Revovada Mibartinura says, I tried really hard to find a good answer to this question, why Shimon was allowed to marry Dina. But I heard there may be an issue in the text. Rashi never meant, and the Medrash never meant, that Shimon promised he would marry her. It says that Shimon promised Shiyasi Ena that he would marry her off to someone else. Doesn't that answer the question in the beginning? With? That's like the easiest answer in the world. He said, "I promise you, Dina. Don't worry. I will marry you off to a good person." And he did. He married her off to Eo who was a, a person who was at least, even though he wasn't Jewish, he was a great tzaddik of a person, a person that even at Kaddish who was Mosque, he was a kim O'Kim. He was a, someone who feared God. So at least Shimon found someone for Dina to marry that was there. That's an amazing idea. That she yasi ena, not she yis ena, she ena he would marry off. Getting back to the question of who this Canaanites was. The Ibn Ezra says this shows us that the wives of the Shvatan were either Canaanites or were neither Canaanites or the twin sisters. Says Ibn Ezra they didn't marry either. They married Ammoni woman, Arami woman, Egyptian woman, Moabi woman, Midiani woman, Adomi woman, Whatever. They didn't marry Cananias. They didn't marry their twin sister. They married somebody else. This woman alone was the only Cananias among them. He learned it, Pshat, not Dina, right? And Shimon did something wrong, and that's why it's pointed out because it was against his family's wishes. It could be that's why we mentioned Aaron Onan over here also, even though Aaron Onan are dead, because Aaron Onan were also children of a Cananias woman, right? Remember Shua was a Kanani, and Yehuda allowed he allowed Tamar to marry Aaron Onan. Maybe that was the problem because she was a Cananias woman who married Aaron Onan. Maybe that's the idea behind it. Sefer Yasher says something different, by the way. Shimon and Dina were the parents of the first five children mentioned here. Ubenei Shimon, Yemuel, Yamin, Oad, Yachin, Tzokhar. All those five children were Shimon's kids with Dina. All of them with Dina. Sho'al a Kananis was the son of Buna, the Kenani woman. Anybody ever heard of a name, Buna? Right? Buna is interesting. Buna, the Canaanite woman that he had taken out of Shechem. Buna was Dina's maidservant. She was the mother of Saul. Can you imagine this Sefer Ayasher. He's saying it's the other way around. Dina was the mother of everybody else. Shimon didn't have any other wives. And he had a maidservant named Buna that was a Canaanite. But Rev. Aryeh Kaplan says from the Sefer Hayovlos, Sefer Hayovlos is an older history Sefer, says the name of Shimon's wife was Adiva. And again, have you ever heard of the name Adiva? Anybody? That, that's a weird name, right? And after Shoal was born, he took a wife from Aram like the rest of his brothers. Revavadi Vavartinura says Shoal was a son, Shoal was the son of Dina and Shechem. I told you before that Dina and Shechem, they had the child that was known as Osnas, that was Yosef's future wife. According to Revavadi Vavartinura, Revavadi Vavartinura says, I guess they were twins. There was Osnas and there was Shoal ben Ekinanis. So Shoal ben Ekananis really meant Shoal ben Ekanani. He was Shem's son with Dina, and that's that. So that seems to be an interesting thing altogether. Now, Targum Yenison says, and we're going to end with this, everybody. Targum Yenison says, Shoal had another name, Zimri. Shoal ben Ekinanis became Zimri, who we see later on in Shittim. He's the one that took Cosby and demanded that Moshe Rabbeinu allows him to marry her. We also see in the Gemara Sanhedrin, Pebe, and Aleph, Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi. Is Zimri ben Salu is Shoal ben Akinanis. It's all the same person. It's Pei Bezim and Aleph over there. Now that means that when this all happened, Shoal ben Akananis slash Zimri slash Lumia was 250 years old when he grabbed Cosby and took her. Because think of how long. They were in Mitzrayim for 210 years and then 40 years in the midbor. So he's at least 250 years old. He's called Ben Akananis because he did something that Kananim would do. For in the future, what he did, grabbing this woman, etc. Rabbi Sad even asked the question, why are we allowed to name children Sheol if Sheol is apparently evil? If Sheol ben Akanaz was Zimri, why do we name kids Sheol? And he says, if there's a tzaddik by that name, like Sheol ben Kish, Sheol a Melech, then you're allowed to. But then he asked another kasha, why did Shaul's father... Marry his kid, name his kid Sha'ol. If the only Sha'ol they knew was this Sha'ol ben Canaanis. And then he goes on and he says, there is another Sha'ol. He was not Jewish, but he was a tzaddik. Sha'ol mirachovos anar. And that's who he named him from. Crazy Rebbe Yudassad. The parishioners cannot believe that they were the same person. 250 years old. That sounds unbelievable. How is it possible they were the same person? The Vilna Gon says, Chas v'shalom, it's not the same. They're absolutely not the same. The Shoresh of what Zimri did was in Sha'ol ben Akananis. There's a Ramban in Parshas uh, Parshas uh, Parshas uh, that says that Shorish Whenever you see somebody go off the derech it's because of something there was a root of something evil from the parents from the grandparents from the great grandparents you see somebody doing evil the shorish was already there something was there beforehand the shorish was by shoa ben-kananis the fact that a kanani was involved in dina and then later on his child grandchild great-grandchild whoever it was was zimri ben Salu. zimri only did it because Shaul ben had something bad within him. And that was the result of what happened over there. That's the possibility of what happens. He says the same thing. Pesel Micha went through Kriyas Yamsuf. Pesel Micha. Pesel Micha was created by Micha's mother hundreds of years later. How in the world could Pesel Micha have gone through Kriyas Yamsuf? He says, that's not shot." It's that the shorish behind Pesel Micha was there right at that time during Kriyas Yamsuf. Not that it actually existed, but the shorish was there. And that's the idea behind this as well. Not that they're the actual same person, the root behind them were all right there together as well. All right, guys, we'll stop with that. Have a great shot.